Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. When Jordan Love was taken at 26 overall, the Packers took a quarterback from Utah State and not a receiver. From midfield looking for a shot, Rodgers sending it deep downfield, and Lazard brings it in! It's a first round, take that! Doesn't matter what round I was taking, 48 on the catch for Alan Lazard, the undrafted player. I mean, this is football. We, we, we play uh, a very violent game, you know, injuries are, are bound to happen, so it was only going to be a, not necessarily a matter of time, but I mean, I was just really just waiting for my opportunity on to be able to step up today, and uh, I think I did that pretty well. Welcome back. Bill Michaels show. We uh, thank you for taking a listen to us. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about the Timberstone uh, golf course and the colors up north coming up here shortly. Mike Clemens, our good buddy uh, and green and gold insider, joining us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. NFL on NBC there with the highlight. Alan Lazard talking about that 48-yard catch and after the win over the Saints. And uh, now he's banged up, and it's unfortunate. And Mike... Uh, it went from being he's going to get looked at, he's going to be on the injury report, to, oh, yeah, he had surgery, now he's out indefinitely. Now it's we find out it's at least four weeks. So a tough blow for the Packers, man. Well, it was, it was shocking because he has a career night with 146 yards and the touchdown, these great catches, these two deep balls that he catches. Um, Aaron Rodgers talking about him at length after the game, praise for him, et cetera. And there was, just, there was just no clue until yesterday, first day of practice, he's not on the field. And then Rob Domofsky tracks down, yeah, he might have a core injury, and he's talking to a specialist to, now he's already had the surgery. That was just kind of a head-spinning day. Now, Bill Huber is one of the guys that covers the team for Sports Illustrated. He's just pulled up some video from the end of our press conference with him, and Alan's taking all these questions, and he's smiling and laughing, and he's holding up the football that he just got is a game ball. And then when it's over with, he pushes himself up the desk and kind of goes, ugh. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm, so he just, right. Hey, there's a guy just played a three-hour football game, right? So, I mean, who knows? But in the meantime, today, now that we have this news, uh, Matt LaFleur said, can you explain how Alan Lazard seemed fine after the Saints game and now he's actually had surgery for a core muscle injury? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's one of it's an unfortunate deal, and um, you know. But what an opportunity for other guys to step up and 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 make their mark in this league. Did it happen in the game? If I could follow up. Yeah, all right, man. He's he's as tough as they come, and that's that's what you love about the guy. He is a gritty competitor, and you know it's it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And now, like I said before, it's, it's an opportunity for other guys to step up and and make their mark. What a tough blow for him, uh, the fact that he came out, played so incredibly well, and and obviously, you know, Aaron Rodgers had praise for him. Now, you know, Aaron Rodgers, look, he's going from Devontae to Lazard. Mar- you're, you're hoping Marquez Valdez-Scanley can step up back when Emia St. Brown is gone, and now you've got guys uh, that have, you know, on the back end of your roster, Mike, 
that when you look at the wide receiving core and you look at Darius Shepard and Malik Taylor, those two guys have one catch between them. Well, and here's the other thing. You know, I've always thought that the wide receiver group was pretty deep. Controversy about the Packers not drafting a wide receiver, you just put that aside. I just think that they had they had some depth at the, at the position, particularly with the guys that were coming back for a second year. But all of a sudden, if Devontae Adams can't go for some reason on Monday night, and it's 50-50 right now, your number one is MVS. And then it's Darius Shepard, and then Malik Taylor, the kid that I thought you know, kind of flashed in camp because EQ is still on IR. I mean, and and by the way, you can't get Jake Kummerow in here from the Bills. It would take two days for the COVID restriction. And LaFleur said, first of all, I'm not even going to talk about somebody on somebody else's roster. But you were right. Uh, Kummerow is sitting on the Buffalo Bills practice squad. They could plug him in. I mean, he knows all these plays and everything. So uh, this explains this, though, because we were talking to Aaron Rodgers yesterday before we really knew what was up with Alan Lazard, and he kept on talking about Darius Shepard, the undrafted kid who, when you know Devontae Adams told us the story, he stood up in the team meeting last summer at the start of camp, and when he was asked what was the signing bonus, he said zero. It's like, and Devontae said, man, I've never heard that, zero. Yeah, well, you know, he came out of you know, a small school, undrafted kid, uh, and proving himself. And so Aaron Rodgers had some high praise yesterday for Darius Shepard. I will say I am very proud of Shep. Obviously last year he had a great training camp, um, you know, had basically one, you know, drop, a ball that was a little behind him. A lot of people tried to write him off, you know, in training camp. And he had a phenomenal training camp. He really did. I mean, he was as productive as just about anybody in camp. And I really like his approach. You know, he's the one who's always in Devontae's ear you know, listening to what he's talking about. I mean, you know, damn near every time I come in the Hudson Center, like uh, during training camp, you know, we were starting practice. I'd walk in and do the same thing, put my helmet down. And Shep is, is picking Devontae's brain about uh, releases, you know, and certain things. And I was just like, look, I try and pay attention to as much as I possibly can. But that, that sticks with you. You know, that impacts you. You see, and just that that desire to, like, improve and get better, and then you see it on the field. So uh, it's now going to come down to, Mike, the trust, the play calling, and then the execution as to whether or not the trust continues to build. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe you use your tight ends more. Maybe you throw more to Robert Tanya and you throw to Aaron Jones out of the backfield. You did that when you were short at wide receiver and you won a game in Kansas City. And you talk about that play calling because after the Saints win, Aaron Rodgers said the play, the flow of the play call tonight was just amazing. And so we said, you said this Sunday night, Aaron, what do you mean by the flow of the play calls? Synced up nature where I can anticipate what the calls are going to be. And I think that's, that's when, when we're in flow, in our flow state from uh, quarterback and play caller. I felt like the calls that he was coming in, I could anticipate or finish them very quickly um, and expect them at certain times in the game, especially situationally. I, I just thought it was uh, a really good balance of repeating calls that, that we like to repeat and then being aggressive, you know, at, at, uh, at the right times. 
I just thought it was, uh, and it really has been the first three games. I just think it's been a really, really solid flow of calls where him and I are in lockstep, as, as, as the adage goes, where I'm really just vibing on the same level. And, and I was able to finish a lot of, you know, his sentences with the play calls, which is when you really know that you're on the same page. And I, I thought it was really good for, uh, for our squad and, and good for him and I. And Bill, listen to this relationship now between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. Rodgers is watching the Chiefs-Ravens game the other night and marveling at the play calling of Andy Reid and the stuff he's getting Patrick Mahomes. And we asked him, so are you like test texting play ideas to Matt LaFleur? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a copycat league. So when you see some sweet plays, you, you think about can we do them with our personnel? I love the you know, play I really, really loved that they ran at Kansas City the other night was the uh, little underhand shovel pass to, to the fullback. I mean, it was it was beautifully done because of, you know, moving Tyreek back in the backfield, the attention that he gets, and not many people thought that uh, Sherman was going to, you know, be the one getting a little inside screen. So, I, I mean, I have a lot of appreciation for that creativity, and I've said this before, you know, we, we were a team for a long time that was stolen from, you know, a lot of concepts that we came up with. And if you listen to some of the... Uh, the verbal calls at times, sometimes they give us credit for some of those calls. I mean, I've seen the, you know, calls like Packers, Lambo. Uh, I remember uh, about five, six years ago, Romo gave uh, like a belt uh, signal to his receivers. They ran a play that we came up with in, you know, 2011. And that's the way the league goes. And I'm sure somebody's going to try that, uh, that screen this week. Tony Romo um, doing the belt move. Yeah, I was going to say, and I remember that. I remember Aaron bringing that up at the time. Uh, and the other thing that's been talked about so much when it comes to Aaron Rodgers and the play calling has been his cadence. His cadence is his own system. Nathaniel Hackett, the, uh, the offensive coordinator, says that he's a world of his own. He doesn't even really know what it is. It's between Rodgers and the players. And I asked Aaron this. I said, I remember it was 2006. He had a new coaching staff in, Mike McCarthy and his guys. It was a rookie minicamp, so Favre and the veterans wouldn't be in for another couple of weeks. And so you were the spokesperson. You were the guy. You were taking all the snaps. And I said to you, so what do you think of the new coaching staff? And I said, your response was, well, they want to change the cadence. So we'll see how long that lasts when Brett gets back. (laughs) I said, do you remember that story? And how much was Brett's Blue 58 an influence on your Green 19 cadence system? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think um, I actually, when you brought that up, I do remember that statement just because I know how integral that cadence was for Farby. And you know, look, I I say the same cadence. I say different numbers, but it's the uh, it's the same type of rhythm. It takes uh, a little bit to get used to uh, for new guys, but it's been a weapon for us for a long time. Uh, discovering uh, you know defenses out of disguises. Um, obviously the free plays and then and it's not letting them get a, get a jump off the snap. Uh, it's been, it's been really good for us and it was good for Farby as well. So let's do this. We'll quickly uh, take a, a break and then come back. Uh, we got more with Mike Clemens. Don't forget about the fall colors. Spectacular up north. So is golfing right now. You've heard me talk a lot about Timberstone Golf Course at Pine Mountain Resort in Iron Mountain, Michigan, plus the Four Seasons Island Resort right now in Pembine, Wisconsin, both offering great stay and play golf packages. Not to mention, if you're looking for a business getaway after the mid-October point, they are going to do some uh, some unique things where you can basically buy out the resort and just have your group, your conference, your people, 
people socially distanced but still in one place and be able to do it uh, contactless, so to speak. So a lot of great things, a lot of innovative ideas coming up north from our friends at uh, Timberstone Golf Course at Pine Mountain Resort and also the Four Seasons Island Resort. Go to TheFourSeasonsWI.com. That's TheFourSeasonsWI.com or TimberstoneGolfCourse.com and get the information right now. When we come back, we got more with Mike Clemens coming up next on The Bill Michael Show. Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. In this quarter, Matt Ryan has gone 0 for 7. Third down and 8. With the Bears already in field goal range, the pass is caught in the end zone for a touchdown by Anthony Miller. The Chicago Bears take the lead with a minute 53 seconds remaining. We had our chances uh, at the end, whether it's uh, taking an interception, making a tackle. You know, when those plays come, you've got to deliver. And when you don't, you know, those are the consequences. That is the, for the time being, head coach Dan Quinn of the Atlanta Falcons. As they are off to an 0-3 start, and they got beat by the Bears in comeback fashion from Nick Foles and company. Dan Quinn brings his winless Atlanta Falcons into Lambeau Field coming up on Monday night. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Epoxy Flooring Done Right. Epoxy Flooring, polyurea coatings, different colors, different finishes. Get a hold of my buddy Sean. Uh, call him uh, right now. Just go to the website and check it out and then get his number, and they can get you all set up. Uh, from Green Bay to Racine, everywhere in between, go to epoxyflooringdoneright.com. That is epoxy flooringdoneright.com. Mike Clemens joining us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. And, Mike, uh, boy, the Falcons, for lack of a better term, they stink on ice right now. They just can't seem to get out of their own way, specifically late in ball games. They can't score and they can't stop anybody. No, especially like this loss at home last week against the Bears. They change in Nick Foles. He throws three touchdowns there in the fourth quarter. They, they give up 20 points. It's, it's ridiculous. Dan Quinn was a uh, defensive coordinator for Pete Carroll and the Seahawks when they were going to the Super Bowl. He's been a great head coach. Um, I've told this story before when the, we took the show down to the Georgia Dome for Packer-Falcons games, and I would drive up a day or two early to Flowery Branch at the great facilities the Falcons built a few years ago under uh, Arthur Blank, their owner there. And D. Orlando Ledbetter, who used to cover Packers, now covers Falcons down in Atlanta, I went and said, said hello to him and to Daryl, and he said, uh, I, I said, so what do I have to do around here? He goes, I said, this ain't Green Bay, because Green Bay is old school when it comes to who you are, what the procedures are, you know, credentials and all that. He goes, hey, it's, it's totally different here. And the next thing I know, Dan Quinn comes off from doing a little press conference, and he recognizes I'm, I'm the new guy. He comes off the podium and shakes hands with, hi, Dan Quinn, who are you? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm like, I'm here from Green I mean, he couldn't be nicer, could not be nicer. Now, Matt LaFleur was his quarterback's coach for a couple years, when they went to the Super Bowl, when Kyle Shanahan, LaFleur's boss, was the offensive coordinator. And so we asked LaFleur today, what did he learn about being a head coach under Falcons' Dan Quinn? And, and has he used any of that in Green Bay? Yeah, there's so much. There's so many good times. And just, you know, there was always a loose feeling around the building. Nobody was uptight. You could really felt like you could really cut it loose and, and just play without hesitation, coach without hesitation. He didn't micromanage. 
I think that there were so many things that we implemented. The first thing when we got here is uh, putting a, a basketball hoop in our meeting room. That's that's something that I had never seen before until we got to Atlanta. So, But there were so many ways to implement different styles of competitions. And it, some of it had to do with football and some didn't. Like I said, it, it allowed it to be for a looser environment, which I think when you're looser, you're enjoying yourself. You're more in tune to what you're doing. And you can go out there and, and play fast and play free and play and and have fun doing it um you know mike uh, i i'm all in favor of that uh, i just uh, it's not working right now in atlanta uh they're fast they're loose they're playing free but they're not enjoying it and they're getting beat in some of the most crucial aspects of the game specifically late in ball games so matt ryan who's everybody believes is a good quarterback but I, he got paid like a great quarterback and he has not been great no They've had a lot of injuries. That seems to be the problem there. Matt Ryan, you know, was an MVP when his quarterback coach was Matt Flynn or Matt LaFleur. And so uh, what the thing I thought was interesting is, you know, Jeff Jagosinski was McCarthy's offensive coordinator. He went to Boston College, and he coached Matt Ryan before he got drafted by the Falcons. And then, you know, Ryan, you know, was up and down. Matty Ice, they called him until Matt Flynn and Kyle Shanahan got a hold of him. And so we asked Matt Ryan, what was it like having Matt LaFleur as your quarterback coach? You know, I enjoyed my two years with Matt. He's a really good friend and a very good coach, and I learned a lot, you know, from him uh, during those two years. And uh, I know he's very detailed, really smart. You know, he's going to have his guys prepared and and ready to go and uh, understanding what, you know, he expects from them. So I'm happy for him. He's done a great job in Green Bay. You know, I always knew he was very good uh, in terms of situational football, you know, on it. We talk about those kinds of things all the time, the quarterback room, what we're going to do in certain situations, how we're going to handle them. And, and he was always, you know, spot on. So I think that's a, a trait that transitions well to, to being in that spot. And then, you know, I always thought that he had a clear idea of, of what he wanted uh, from guys in terms of, of his offense um, and what he expected at, at certain positions. And... Uh, I think you're seeing that from from what they're doing in Green Bay. He's he's done a great job of getting the run game going. They've been uh, explosive in the run game and and uh, have been explosive in the pass game uh, off their play action pass. So you know he's stuck to what he knows and and he knows uh, that system very very well. How do they view this Packers defense? A defense that uh, they, they would want to run against or a defense? Because I think right now their secondary has been fantastic and their pass rush. Uh, they're dropping Preston Smith back into coverage a lot more, so the numbers aren't there, but still I think it's a quality pass rush. Yeah, and, you know, I'm interested in how Mike Patton is going to attack Matt Ryan because Ryan will start off strong. He's got some new weapons, obviously, with Todd Gurley and Hayden Hurst. I was huge on this kid two years ago at the Combine, a tight end from Baltimore, and Atlanta traded for him. He's Watch out for number 81, a tight end for the Falcons. But Matt Ryan, you know, breaking down tape, the way he learned it from Matt LaFleur, uh, thinks that, you know, the Packers' defenses look pretty good all in all in the first three weeks of the season. I think they've played well. Um, you know, have, have done a nice job of, of creating some turnovers. Um, they give you a lot of different looks uh, and a lot of different personnel groupings uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So it's going to be huge for us to, uh, you know, identify who's in there. And they'll play, you know, five DBs, six DBs, 
um, you know, five big guys out there, six big guys out there uh, at different times, you know, in terms of defense alignment. So uh, it's going to be important for us to, to recognize who's in uh, and handle the, the number of different looks that they throw at us. They've played a lot of man-to-man coverage, you know, when they put a bunch of DBs out there and they trust their guys to make plays uh, in third down situations. And so uh, it's going to be important for us to create separation and, and, and be very detailed in, in our routes. Mike, what do they think about the Packers secondary? Because I've been saying all along, they're, uh, to me, they're maybe top five. I know they're top ten. Well, I think the folks that cover the Falcons have been looking at the Packers and saying, you know, those two corners now are coming in, uh, in into their own, into their prime, between Jair Alexander and Kevin King on the corners. Now, what do you do? I, I think that Jair might have to go against Calvin Ridley because that kid's really fast. Looks like Julio Jones will play. He's coming off an ankle injury, and I would think that Kevin King might be the guy up against him. Um, we'll see how that matchup is. But Matt Ryan needs to figure out what does he think about uh, Jair and Kevin King on the corners. They're very aggressive. They're very good. You know, you can tell they're very good in terms of, of studying film because uh, they break on balls, you know, really well. They pattern recognize very well. Uh, and I think they both have, you know, very good ball skills um, and play the ball well in the air. So uh, we, we've got our work cut out for us. But, you know, that's also an area where uh, we've got some great players, too, uh, that they have to contend with. So, you know, I feel feel good about the guys that we have. Mike, uh, you said Julio Jones looks like he's going to play with him and Calvin Ridley. That's a, a couple of really, really solid bookends. So you either need one to cover extremely well and give some help back there, or two, you got to get to the quarterback. Uh, I, I guess you know it's going to be whatever Mike Pettin happens to dial up at the time. But I still have a lot of faith in Kevin King and Jair Alexander. They have been just tremendous so far this season. Yeah, and you know, once upon a time, Julio had Mohamed Sanu on the opposite end. That helped him in terms of coverage. When you're in the Falcons locker room, uh, you know Matt Ryan could be over there talking. When Julio walks in, everybody everybody leaves. Julio is the man. Julio is the guy whose face is the face of the franchise on the press guide, on the side of the stadium, and everything. So Lafleur was around him for a couple of years, and so we asked Lafleur this morning, "What makes Julio Jones so dangerous? Is it his size?" Or speed, because he's so smart. You know, you can move him around, and they do a great job of that. It's always tougher and puts more pressure on a defense when you don't know where the guy's going to line up. And certainly, that takes a lot of intelligence, and he has that. And I think one thing that he always has shown is he is very mindful about running routes and how to run routes. And then he goes out and he applies that and he works his tail off on a daily basis so anytime you have a guy with that level of talent combine that with the the work ethic and the thoughtfulness that he puts into it you're going to have a hall of famer and that's what he is i just remember mike when they picked julio jones because we're sitting down there in atlanta as the packers and aaron Rodgers just dismantled the falcons back in 2010 on their way to a, a championship and they right, said and all they, those draft picks they gave up for him Right, and, and I just kept, you know, when you talk to them down there at the time, those people in Atlanta, they said, we we can't beat the Packers. We need to keep up with the Packers. And that was one of the reasons Julio Jones was chosen, because they needed guys that could be on the outside, that could keep up and score, because they felt like the Green Bay Packers were going to be the scoring machine for a, a long time to come. Now, don't get me wrong, Julio Jones was a hell of a player, but that was one of the big decisions that uh, they wanted to make, was to keep up with the Green Bay Packers. That was one of the hard and fast reasons he ended up down there in Atlanta. So, Looks like he'll be Mike, in that game Monday night at Lambeau Field 
Um, Javante was on the field for a second time today. That's a good sign. Mercedes Lewis has missed two practices. we got to check into that. Mike, great stuff as always, buddy. We'll talk to you on Monday and again on Tuesday as well, okay? Thank you, Bill. Talk to you. There you go. Mike Clements, NFL Serious Radio, and also joining us, our Green and Gold Insider. We-, we get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.